It's the Niche Podcast about the one thing that only Jordan knows about. Game shows, I suppose. Oh, jeez, that hurts my voice. Ow. Hi, I'm Jordan Welcome to the podcast about the one thing I know something about. Game shows, I suppose. Uh, we have a fun episode today. Lots of game shows. We're talking lingo. Anyway, <laughs> we'll start, of course, with the news. Daytime Emmys were this weekend. Lots of fun over in Pasadena, California. And let's just celebrate uh, the two winners. First off, let's celebrate Alex Trebek for winning Outstanding Game Show Host. He made a quip about how he didn't want it to be a sympathy vote. But in honesty, he is pretty much the gold standard for a game show host. So congratulations to Alex Trebek, one of the most professional people in the world of game shows. And, of course, a broadcasting and television icon. And for Outstanding Game Show, it went to Family Feud this year. So... Congrats to the entire team at Family Feud for continuing to create a show that brings a bunch of laughs and just continuing making the game just a lot of fun to watch and interact with. With Steve Harvey as the host, it's so weird finding out that they haven't changed the rules in that game in so long. Single, single, double, triple. If no one got to 300, it's the sudden death round. It, it's so amazing to see that show continue, and I'm just a big fan of Family Feud. Whenever it just comes on, I just want to sit there and just have a few bits of laughs. And, and even if you don't really watch the Family Feud in full, those YouTube videos with the funny clips of the contestants saying things is pretty much all you need to know about Family Feud. It's one part comedy show, one part game show, but just a whole lot of fun. And I will actually say it's a family game show, despite some of the risque questions that appear on the show sometimes. It ain't no different than saying making Whoopi back in the 70s. Go back and listen to the Family Feud episode with Maddie Smith, one of my favorite episodes. Now some game show news. It looks like SpongeBob SquarePants is getting a game show. <clears throat> Viacom Digital Studios is creating a game show based on the popular animated series the company announced Monday. The SpongeBob Smarty Pants game show will debut later this year on Facebook and the SpongeBob-branded YouTube channel. The series will feature two SpongeBob superfans competing to win the Golden Pineapple by completing messy stunts, answering trivia questions, and competing in SpongeBob-themed games. So, hey, you know, the Nickelodeon digital media companies, and especially Viacom, have done very well with the with the game show genre so far. Uh, they've done, for instance, Drop That Seat, which I thought was kind of bad at first, and then I've grown to love it. They tried their own take on Singled Out. So if you're going to do something that's a tribute to SpongeBob SquarePants, uh, this seems like the right way to go. The prize is just a golden pineapple, which, you know, he lives in pineapple under sea. So it makes sense. I'm very curious to see the direction they're going to go with this show. Because, yes, it's going to be a SpongeBob-themed trivia show, which, hey... This is basically their Simpsons, so it's been on for almost two decades at this point that they might as well have a little mini trivia show to celebrate its birthday. But I also want to know, like, what are they going to be the games? Is it just going to be like Sea Reefs? Is it going to be like a Krabby Patty toss game? I don't know, and I'm kind of curious to find out. This isn't the first time that a cartoon series had a game show spinoff. For instance, Ben 10 had its own little mini challenge on the Cartoon Network a while back. So this is not out of surprise, and I, I kind of look forward to seeing this because it's telling me it's going to be a little short-form television show, and it's not going to be that bad because it's SpongeBob. And then I checked Deadline, and it looks like there's going to be a brand new 
reality competition show in the works. According to Deadline, Bravo Media is expanding its original slate with Spy Games, an espionage-inspired reality competition series from Kinetic Content, a Red Arrow Studios company. The series will air later this year. Hosted by model and martial artist Mia Kang, Spy Games follows 10 contestants as they battle it out in the ultimate game of espionage for a $100,000 prize. Inspired by a once-secret World War II government program called Station S, the show will follow the 10 competitors living together on a compound as they are challenged to figure out the secrets their fellow players are keeping. Training and judging them in the art of espionage are the assessors. Dennis Lau, Evie Pomparis, and Errol Suthers, three former intelligence professionals from the CIA, Secret Service, and FBI, respectively, who will create missions and tests designed to push contestants to their breaking points, as well as determine who stays and who goes home. As contestants are eliminated one by one, they quickly realize this game may be more mentally and physically challenging than they bargained for. However, they all must keep their eyes on the prize since only one contestant can come up on top and walk away with $100,000. Huh? <laughs> I mean, I, I for a second there, I thought, okay, this is going to be interesting. Like, it's the mole, but everyone's the mole. Okay, that, that sounds like fun. And then I thought of this really cool show that I saw on Channel 4 in the UK, and it's called Spies. And it was kind of similar in the format where it's we get a lot of people to basically go into like a spy school. And then at the end, they would be in a quote-unquote undercover mission, but all of them would blow it, and they basically get interrogated into spilling out the secrets, and the last one standing would quote-unquote win the game. So maybe this is going to be a mix of the two? I don't know. I'm kind of curious, but it is Bravo, so who knows what will happen? Is Andy Cohen going to host the after show? I, I, I got to check this out. Maybe it's all good-looking people as spies, and they all get to wear snazzy suits. Because it's spies. I don't know. It's Bravo. I don't know why Bravo is doing this. But hey, you know, it's an original concept. And I, I want to watch what happens. And our final story of the day is that Elizabeth Banks is going to be the host of Press Your Luck. Elizabeth Banks has been set to host Press Your Luck, the latest ABC game show revival that is set to premiere next month. The network in March ordered Press Your Luck and another revival, Card Sharks, both produced by Fremontle. Joe McHale has already been set to host Card Sharks. That's already in the work. That's already been filmed. That's all done. The newcomers will debut back-to-back -back Wednesday, June 12th at 8 p.m. for Press Your Luck and 9 p.m. Card Sharks. Uh, the history of Card Sharks. Elizabeth Banks is exactly the type of woman we want on ABC. She's a big star who's smart, strong, and funny, ABC Entertainment President Carrie Burke said. She has everything we need as the host of Press Your Luck, one of our signature summer shows. If anyone can ride herd on the whammy, it's Elizabeth. Well, I mean, the new Press Your Luck is going to be by Jennifer Mullen, Banks, uh, Max Handelman, and John Quinn, who also as the showrunner. So Banks is going to be an EP. So that's going to tell you that, hey, this was a package deal uh, in corresponds to how much she's probably getting paid for this. But here, here's where I go. Because remember, I've always been saying how much these package deals have been going on in the game show world. I think Elizabeth Banks was a package deal for the Press Your Luck. And it, this has been known for quite some time. I think a lot of people are going to give her shit for hosting this show. And I'm going to say, I think the game show fandom is going to be sexist about it. Because the last couple of hosts have been guys, Peter Tamarkin and Todd Newton. And they're going to be a little bitter because Todd Newton's not hosting this show. To which, 
sure, I mean, good point, but this is network, and Todd Newton is a perfect host for a cable television version of the show. He's a good host. He's hosted Family Game Night, for instance, and he keeps hosting these different game shows like Monopoly Millionaires Club in the background. So he's always like the second fiddle on these shows. And yes, he could host something else, but for Elizabeth Banks to host this, this gives it more prestige. I think they're trying to go for more of if you've never seen Press Your Luck before in your life, you will watch this show because Elizabeth Banks, not because of the Whammy, even though the Whammy is one of the most iconic game show characters that's ever been around. So I am definitely looking forward to seeing this new Press Your Luck. And Elizabeth Banks is a very funny comedic actress. She's been in a lot of comedy. She's been in the Lego movie. And yes, she's been in Hunger Games. But the odds may ever be in her favor for hosting this. But I am so looking forward to this show because this is because this is going to be definitely a grander version of Press Your Luck. Some things tell me they're going to give away more money on these episodes than they ever did in the 80s. So we're talking Larson's score is going to be wiped out of existence. And that's going to be the way to make this show bigger, better, and probably funnier with a whammy. And because it's Elizabeth Banks and she has really great ad-lib skills and really great improv skills, she will make a very good host. I think people are too quick to judge, and I am giving her a fair shake, and I think she's going to nail it and knock this out of the park. And there isn't that many women game show hosts. Meredith Vieira has 25 words or less. You got Sherry Shepard for Best Ever Trivia Show. Julie Chen is still doing Big Brother. And other than that, I think that's the only active game shows in existence. Like, I don't know if The Chase is coming back with Brooke Burns, but other than that, there's nothing. So I'm glad Elizabeth Banks is getting this job. I think she's very qualified for this, and I think this is going to be a great game show. And I think if they're going to still parade this as the most exciting game of their lives, they're going to try and do it. And Elizabeth Banks, I think she's going to blow people away. This isn't going to be like a Mike Myers in the costume thing. This is just going to be Elizabeth Banks being very silly and fun. This isn't going to be that skit on I Think You Should Leave with the Crunchy, which I love so much. It's going to be fun, and I hope you guys stay tuned for Summer Fun and Games. I still think ABC is just doing all of these unscripted shows in the event of a writer's strike, but for right now, I'm just going to try and celebrate the fact that we have so many game shows in the works and so many great revivals, including that of Press Your Luck. So I look forward to seeing that. I believe they are going to start taping next week. Does not matter if it took 400 plus pages or four pages. The conclusion is the same. Simply put in two words, not quilty. Accept it or not. This tweet comes from a former game show host in regards to the current events in regards to President Donald Trump and the Mueller report. He would quickly defend himself as a quote-unquote failed game show host, signing his long resume from shows such as Love Connection, which isn't a game show in his opinion. It is. The Dating Game, 
Greed, and three games that involve spelling, Wheel of Fortune, Scrabble, and Lingo. Maybe Quilty is just guilty for QAnon? Can we pretend that's what he meant? Lingo is one of the big-time GSN originals, but it's got its start in the 1980s. Ronald Reagan's adopted son, Michael, hosted it, and it was played in Canada, in a format that would be similar to the format of the guessing of five-letter words. One team got even numbers, the other odd numbers. But their bonus round, called No Lingo, offered a ridiculous payout that was so massive, producers were unable to pay a number of the champions on the show that they were sued. Some of these winners were owed anywhere from $20,000 to $50,000. A lesson producers should know. Never gamble with what you don't have. When that show ended, Lingo did, however, get traction in another country. The Netherlands. Harry De Winter was the executive producer of the Dutch version. That's D-U-T-C-H. And it debuted in 1989 hosted by disc jockey Robert Ten Brink, and it ran for 5,000 episodes over there. In 2002, Phil Gurren, who at the time had success in America with his attempt at the British Weakest Link, decided to try his hand at the Dutch version of Lingo and funded 20 episodes himself, including crew members, Chuck Woolery, and the prize money. It was a gamble, but it did pay off. As Game Show Network opted for more episodes, the show would continue airing in the Netherlands until 2014, while the GSN run would continue until 2007. It wasn't until 2011, four years after, that the show would be revived, only temporarily, with Bill Engvall as the host, featuring Scrabble-type clues and the same guessing of five-letter words. The show would reach its untimely end. But... With Chuck Woolery having outbursts online, is it a coincidence? Is this ageism in Hollywood, or just people pushing him aside because they knew all along? Even though he's considered an awful person, can you separate art from artist? And what makes Lingo, a show about guessing five-letter words, have such a cult-like appeal? We are about to find out. Let's turn the T-A-B-L-E. With me on the line is one of the hosts of an, I guess, rival game show podcast called The Game oh, Show Fans here. Podcast with Josh and Danny. I'm Danny. Hi, Danny. I'm Jordan. <laughs> Hi, Jordan. <laughs> no, no uh, this is, uh, I, I always like looking at game show podcasts, not because I want to steal their content or anything, because uh, I have a nice thing going here, but because I want to see how people do takes on game shows. And it was fun getting to know your game show podcast the same way you got to know mine. And, I agree with that. And, and so we decided, let's just do a game show episode. And I said, hey, pick a game show. And you picked, I guess, one of your favorite game shows. Lingo. Lingo. You Actually, uh, <laughs> Lingo is the profile picture of my YouTube channel, which we will plug later. You can say it right now if you want to get people into... Okay, uh, if you want to look at my lingo clips and my own Game Show Fans podcast, type in uh, Game Show Fan 2001, all one word, on YouTube. Which would make sense. for We're getting Game Show people on the show, folks. We're going to try our best to get people from all walks of life to stop by 
as long as they're willing to put up with a game show viewing and a discussion, I'm fine with it. Uh, Lingo has some great background, though. Yeah, yeah, it does. Uh, Starters, the uh, 1987 edition with Michael Reagan as the host. Michael Reagan was the son of, uh, I think uh, he was a president of some kind. His name was uh, Ronald Reagan. You know who that is? Yeah, he is uh, the governor of California, former president of the United States. He likes jelly beans. Yes. And they thought, you know what? The son of him, not Ron Reagan, the other Reagan, he'll be a great game show host. Because, of yes. course, uh, for, for a while, he had a, a, a actual like radio show. Uh, I wonder how he got the gig in the first place, though. I, I wonder if uh, Ronald must have thought, like, oh, my son deserves this job. He has to host the game show. I don't care. Yeah. It, 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 well, sort of. I, I think there was some controversy with that game. Because uh, they had to change the rule set. Uh, the values of the games were kind of weird. There was like a traveler's check. I mean, they made one for the UK. I've never seen the UK version. I know that aired in 88. And for, for their version, they had a, like a no lingo bonus round, same as the one in the Reagan era, where it was, your goal is to not get a lingo. But, but I don't think that made it really exciting. But what made it really exciting was Game Show Network's edition. Uh, we have to talk about Game Show Network originals. It's true. And we did an episode about that on my own podcast, too. <laughs> yes, but I I have to do it for my listeners, too. So Game Show Network did a lot, a lot of originals because, I mean, cheap content, first of all. And second of all, you own the rights so you don't have to really pay any royalties to anybody but making GSN original. So they got the rights to a game show called Lingo. Phil Gurren is the executive producer. People have already heard about his name. Uh, just a flashback it, he's the guy who made Weakest Link and Oh Sit. Uh, oh Sit. Uh, and uh, th- th- it's hosted by one Chuck Woolery, who many people will already know who are listening to this from his podcast, I guess, his, his political commentaries these days. Oh, that's what he does. That's what he does nowadays, yeah. The blunt force truth. He wasn't always, or maybe he was and he was good at hiding it, but I mean, like, he had a, he has a history of game shows. Wheel of Fortune, uh, Scrabble, Greed, Greed, uh, Perina's Think Like a Cat. Oh, that was the best one he ever did. <laughs> uh, it's all sorts of great game shows, but Lingo is definitely oh, sing- I was, singled out. Oh yeah, he also singled out once. I saw that on a, a trivia question once. <laughs> <laughs> Can't figure out what show that was. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, I wonder what it was. Full, it was great, by the way. Yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> it's, it's, but uh, it's <laughs> so so. I will already get off the bat and saying like, if you're going to go like, what's the best Chuck Woolery hosting job? I will go as far as to say Lingo is actually of all the shows he's done, from Wheel of Fortune to to Scrabble to to Think Like a Cat. This is his show. I don't even think like a cat. <laughs> Well, yeah, do you really want the paper bag challenge? And uh, yeah, yeah, you're right. Lingo was probably his best show. Uh, so first we usually, because you probably only lost, listened to like one episode. What we do here is we talk about the format first, and then we talk about the presentation. So okay. Lingo gets its name because it's a combination of language and bingo. You get a five-letter and, word, uh... and you get five chances to figure out that five-letter word by spelling it out. You get the first letter for free. For instance, uh, a letter T, and then you get four spaces. Then you say something like a table, T-A-B-L-E, 
and then it will show how many are in the correct position and how many letters are in there, but not in the correct position. So then you'll see uh, like a blank, like a T, and then the E is a, is a yellow, and uh, the A is correct. So the A, the T and A are in orange, and the E is in yellow, and yeah. the B and L are just stay where they are because they're it's not. It's a team of two trying to figure it out. If they fail within five, if they can't spell a word correctly, if they give a six-letter word, if they, if they which can't we see spell a lot, jacked, for instance, let's just for the sake which of. Or, or if you take too long, then opponent goes to the ne- and then uh, control of the word goes to the opposing team, and then they get a chance to win those valuable points, as Chuck Woolley would say on the show. It's valuable points, and not only is it valuable points, it's also control of the lingo balls for guessing the correct right. five-letter word plus getting a bonus letter to, to help you out even more because they like to help you out. Uh, you get to reach for a couple of lingo balls. You get to put your hands inside the pouch, grab a couple balls, couple blue lingo balls, couple blue balls. But- yeah, what about what, what? What you don't want to do is grab those red balls. The stoppers, which I guess Chuck is just a fan of the word stopper because he uses that in Scrabble, Scrabble. but mm-hmm. it happens. Uh, and balls, if you use, basically, if you if you grab one of those out, uh, you lose your turn, and then it goes back to the next team with the next word. And and it just plays that back and forth for about five minutes, yeah. ten minutes. Then you go into round two, which is the same, but they double the points. Richard Karn. For, for your good spirit, for being a good sport, we're going to double the points. And then whoever has the most points after the two rounds go, goes into bonus lingo. Bonus lingo, lingo you get. Two minutes to get as many five-letter words, just like in the main game. But this time on a two-minute timer, they get two letters now instead of one. And it's all randomized except for the first letter. So it could be first two, uh, one three, one four, or one five. And for every lingo they have got... They get a bonus letter, which can be acted as a lifeline to get one extra hint at what that word is. The more words they get right, the more balls they can grab. And if they can complete one final lingo, they win a bonus prize of... Depends on the season. Depends on the season. And in the first season, they did not have uh, bonus letters at all in that round. Yes, but then they also didn't have $5,000. They won $4,000 worth of prizes, including a gift card to Borders. Remember Borders, folks? Remember Borders? They were a thing. And you also won a a a Croton Watch, which was also the consolation prize on Whammy. You you had, uh, what was it, a trip to Lake Tahoe, I think, once? That was in season two. No, oh, it was. was, that was season I think two. I was. I think. I think you're thinking of Hawaii or some other yeah. word. Oh, oh, wait, hang on. The Cassiopeia from Casio, the pocket yeah. PC. Two technology folks. It's. <laughs> and it, it was four thousand dollars cash plus that prize package, which, which was worth six hundred dollars. Well, for the one we saw. But in the well, they got the six hundred dollars, so I think that was. But yes, true, that so. is just so weird. <laughs> And in season two is actually when the show finally picked up with the bonus letters. Uh, and the reason got... you, do you know the reason why they added bonus letters in the bonus round? Because we saw that awkwardness happen in the the one we saw where it was just like stalling for time. Oh, it was because in season one, one team of two uh, two contestants got no words right in the bonus round because they didn't have a bonus one. Oh, so they had like a great streak going on in the main game, and it was just like. Nope, nothing. Well, in the main game, they didn't do too good either because the one of them spelled uh, uh, approach, A P P R O A C H. And somehow they won the game. 
thought. Oh, so so it's typical lingo contestants then. Is what I mean. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So they go to the bonus round and like uh, thirty seconds left. The the two letters are K A blank blank blank. There's not many words that begin with K A. <laughs> so they spelled something like khaki K A H K I that the computer didn't recognize, it, so they didn't give them anything for it. Then they said. Kazaa, which is a <laughs> music downloading site. That's, That's illegal. What they by did. The they had the Kazaa the episodes of Lingo back in the day. And the word was they didn't accept Kazaa, but the word was kazoo. If they had, uh, <laughs> if the if the computer if the computer had recognized Kazaa as a word, they probably would have gotten it right. But no, they yeah, didn't they win any money. Uh, now they have to get all their music from LimeWire these days. <laughs> oh, well. uh, so so when they they changed it up a bit. Where it's now, there's a cash prize of $5,000 if you get the lingo. But now, uh, they feel a little bit more balls, and there's one guarantee. So you only need to get one of the words in the two minutes, so you can draw it. And if you do, you not only get the $5,000, you get a bonus. Season 2, it was like 15000 for the first try, if you got it. And then uh, later on, when they changed it up, uh, it was like a progressive jackpot. Where it was, Most anyone ever won was uh, forty one thousand dollars, which is which, by the way, for GSN is like wow. So it's like so it starts at like ten thousand, and then for every time it's not won, they add a thousand. So it's like this game is twelve thousand, thirteen thousand, and twenty two thousand. I've never seen a forty one thousand, but that's like, but that's kind of something oh. fascinating to have in a game show like this, where there is a progressive jackpot because. At the time, there wasn't a lot of progressive jackpots returning in game shows, so it gave it something that's kind of classic, yet it was a modern game show because this was the mid-2000s. GSN wanted it to stand out, I think. Not only did it stand out, it also stood out when they added a co-host by the name of Shondi Finesse. Before that, it was uh, Stacey Hayes. She was there from 2003 to four, and then in 2005, they added uh, Shandy Finesse. From uh, Playmania. Yeah, I think that's how you pronounce her name. I'm not Which sure. Which I, I liked Playmania, and I guess Shawnee was great because she had experience with getting people to guess five-letter words. Because oh. if you've never seen Playmania, it was this call-in game show that lasts like four hours. That, so GSN can get their like money back or something. And it's just Shawnee standing around in this like fake house. And it's like, here's a fi- we need a five-letter word, folks. Starts with an S. And then there's a letter T and then three letters. S-T blank, blank, blank. I just need a word. Call in. Guess a word. You get a hundred bucks. Come on. Guess a word. S-T blank, blank, blank. Do you know what the word is? Is, is it is it steep? Is it steep? Oh, nope. Sorry. Thanks for playing. <laughs> yeah, Shandy definitely had more of a chance to show more personality on Playmania than on Lingo when she was just playing second banana to Chuck. On Lingo, she got, she was just basically going like, oh, here's your word. Stars with an S. Well, every once in a while, her and Chuck would have a conversation that was like, but... The, look, you you, can't, you guys think Jeopardy, meet the Jeopardy contestants as awkward conversations? You have never seen good. awkward conversations until you see Shondi with Chuck Wallery. Yeah, it's pretty funny. Hey, Chuck, I like your tie. Well, thank you. It's my wives. Oh, <laughs> plural? <laughs> yeah. And uh, speaking about how they gave away a lot of money on Lingo, $41,000, considering it was such a low game. Uh, you said, you mentioned to me earlier today that uh, on Russian Roulette, well, no, you said on in the later version of uh, Lingo in 2011 with Bill Lingwell, the grand prize was $100,000 for just guessing five words in the bonus round. Yes. 
game show of GSNs to offer that much money was Russian Roulette, which we all know and love. And uh, if you you know uh, Corey Anatato, Hacked Your Games? Oh, yeah. No, he really does like me. I think he he really does... He really does enjoy me talking about this podcast and everything about what I'd say on, on Twitter, on Facebook. No, yeah, it doesn't have me muted at all. Yeah, well, that's good because uh, he did an interview with Mark L. Wahlberg on his YouTube channel a few days ago, and he was they were talking about Russian Roulette, and uh, Mark said uh, one time they were talking, I think they gave away $100,000, and he said he could almost hear Bob Bowden's head exploding in the booth because it was that much money. Well, he, uh, for those who know, Bowden it w- was the... Uh, VP, he's the pre- basically he's Mr. GSN. He is the ruler of time. game shows. He At is the grand poobah of game shows. He's the god everyone adores and admires. He is pretty much the Mr. Game Show of the world. He has like a whole collection of game show memorabilia. You can he loves free lunch, French. Uh, <laughs> How do you know that? <laughs> I had a French with him once. Uh, well, that's good. I really, I think that's one of those dream guests to get on the show. It's just because he has created all sorts of game shows. He created Greed. He created, uh, he is a consultant for all sorts of game shows like uh, Funny You Should Ask and the, and the Magic yeah. Game in Canada. Uh, pretty much everyone who is like reviving a game show right now has to like almost calls Bowden up just to be like, please tell me we, did, we didn't screw this up. And uh, the best project he has done so far is The Chase. He was the guy who brought The Chase over here. It was so weird being the guy who created Game Show Network to working on a show for the network you created, but I liked it. I liked The Chase. Touch with Bob. I want to ask him, so what were you guys thinking in 2004 when you decided to change Game Show Network into a reality-based network and... I think at the Made time, he, no, I think at that time when he went to GSN, it was when Fox Reality Channel was about to develop. Because he don't left to do that. Fox Reality. Okay, I don't, yeah, I don't think Bob, I think Bob left, and then the new people were like, oh, let's make it GSN, the network for games. Because reality television's big now. We have to catch up with the current trend. That's true. Here's Kenny versus Spenny. Here's uh, Who Dares Wins. Showed an uh, amazing race back then which is like okay amazing race is a good show that's like if i had to pick a reality comp i like amazing race but like it made no sense because the problem is reality television shows if we want to go straight into that discussion reality television shows are episodics it's a season is the entire show you get to know the characters you know the backstory and round by round someone gets eliminated until one's left standing in their storytelling there's betrayal and all that stuff that doesn't make for good pers- like shows that you can just randomly air at random intervals right like a game like a match game you don't have to like know how the person got the returning champion gene rayburn can just go here's a returning champion with four thousand dollars and you're like okay i get it sure you might have to see previous episodes to know how the celebrities act (laughs) (laughs) pretty much uh so in the bill angle version uh, if we have to go straight into that version, uh, they added the, the, oh the they added if you love laughter and who doesn't love to laugh. Uh, they added clues to the words. They added clues, like for instance, you should shut it. Starts with an M. Oh, mouth. Okay, ha. Okay. Also, uh, a lot of people in the game show fandom don't like this version. Uh, what do you think about it, Jordan? Uh, okay, so so for Bill, I don't. I think Bill Engvall's an okay host. I think, because the problem is, if you get a, con- a comedy person to do the hosting gig, 
you have to do something that relates to their comedy. Lingo is nothing to do with his comedy. Fifth grader, okay with Foxworthy, but if you're doing like a Bill Engvall hosted game show, it should be like a family game show. It has to be something that's like something that that is like a Southern family game show. Like if there was like, if it wasn't Steve Harvey, Bill Engvall should have hosted Family Feud if you're going to go that route. It, it wasn't, it doesn't really work for the lingo because it's just words. And what worked is you had to have a host that was basically just, just like, it could have just been someone who's completely drunk and continue to play the game as it was. <laughs> like, that's that's the kind of thing you need for this show, is someone who is not a comedian to try and entice people to watch, that's not a, a real A-list celebrity because the budgetary. You just need someone who is just your everyday host to just go, eh, scores 50, 75, go, go here's your next word. Like, that's all you needed for the show, for hosting this. Bill Engel did a great job, don't get me wrong. It just didn't fit. And they kept trying to add new things to the game that I felt were completely unnecessary. For instance... They added size balls. They had to... The balls were on the shelf. The, they, they might have stolen it from Bingo America, for all I know. Uh, it was Game Show Network. Yeah, they put the balls on a shelf instead of in a hopper where you, you know, pull them out. Which is like a barrel. The hopper is just basically like, imagine you had like your Tupperware container, like a fruit punch bowl, and they put like rubber balls in there to grab, which made a very pleasant sound, might I add. Just that. <laughs> yes, it was. It was an aesthetic. Uh, <laughs> it was quite the aesthetic. But for the, the Bill, but the Bill Engvall version was kind of weird because it was like for every one that they correctly identify words was a hundred bucks, then two hundred round two, and then five hundred in round three. And then that was like a multiplier in the final round. And if you got all five words in, I believe, 90 seconds, you got the 100 grand. Yes. It was different from the Ruby version. I think if, if I think it's good that they didn't try to directly copy the exact same format and stuff because, you know, I said. Uh, it's okay. I mean, like, by the way, we do talk about if the show could be revived, how would you do it? So if you okay. have suggestions, we'll do that definitely at the very end. Uh, but we got to get straight into Chuck. We got to go straight to Shondi. Well, one of the things I want to mention about the Engel version is that uh, a lot of people didn't like how they kind of oversexed the show. Well, not necessarily with the people, but with the words and the clues. Because one yeah. time, uh, <laughs> you might remember this one, one of the clues was always comes in the end. <laughs> I mean, everyone, everyone started laughing, and then the first letter is D. <laughs> and, the, and the lady spells dicks, D-I-C-K-S, and then everyone starts laughing. But that wasn't the correct word. The, the correct word was death. So it took a kind of a dark turn there, but <laughs> it's funny because you were thinking penis and I was thinking murder. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you want to get a taste of uh, what, there you have it. That is is and it's and but it had a much darker set. It had more bright lighting. It had an audience that was clearly visible in versus the no audience oh, wow. in lingo before. The lingo before just used an applause machine. The whole show, the whole series. It was an applause machine, and it was like a, an, an old. It's like the. It's a tiny set, obviously, because it was just kind of like a monitor and the two things. It was notoriously cheap, but it, it had a. I would similar. I would compare it similar to Countdown, where it's it's small but cozy enough that you can keep watching the show and just feel like you're at home watching people play a game. Versus this big screen colossal monitor <laughs> and then like with shawnee when they added her like it's this like weird 
almost like they just stole some props from like G4's Attack of the Show or something. Like, here we get some computer monitors. So they added uh, Sandy Fennessy to the show. Uh, uh, why did they add a co-host? Do you know? I th- I don't know off the top of my head. If I had to guess, it's because Chuck just talking to the contestants is very boring. <laughs> and they wanted some sort of... Uh, and I'm going to take a guess if I really... If I actually had to take a, a solid guess here. They looked at the ratings and they found that it was a lot of women that watched Lingo, not men. And you want to diversify that portfolio. So how do you approach men gotta get a hot girl on there hot babe you gotta get a model you gotta add some eye candy on the show not just you gotta get the eye candy not just chuck because it's chuck <laughs> yeah <laughs> and, it's, and chuck as we have established gives no fucks on the show he doesn't care he is not really paying attention that often Someone in the earpiece is letting him know when there's like a misspelling or something's not in the dictionary. That, or that'll be up. like, oh, sorry, I can't do it. Uh, it goes to the next team. Oh. <laughs> okay, and, if you're listening, we love you. <laughs> and I just got to bring up the uh, my my favorite thing about lingo uh, is not just the poor misspellings of these contestants and the way you just make fun of these people for for uh, not understanding what five letter words are. Uh, it it is simply the introduction sequence that they have for the show. Cause the name tags were very like rudimentary in the first season, just times new Roman font on a piece of cardboard attached to a safety pin to that was season one to like seasons four and five and six when it's like the blue background and they have like clear walls. So you can see the names and they have light kits and you just hear the introduction sequence. And it's like, hi, I'm Tony. I like to, Mow the lawn. And this is my best friend. Hi, I'm Sean. I sleep all day. Oh, great. <laughs> That's why I'm on the show. <laughs> I like seasons one and two's like opening sequences and introductions better than the later ones, but that's just me. Hi, I'm... Well, that's because it's just like, hi, I'm Jordan. I'm from California. Right. Like, okay. Cool. Thank you. Like, that's all they really... They don't really care. I felt I liked it because it was more casual. But that, I don't know. It's casual. It's just like, hi, I'm, I'm Jordan. Hey, Jordan. What's up? I'm about to play Lingo. When it went to like yeah. the later hi, seasons, it's just like, hi, I'm Tony. I like I like to make hot dogs. This is my this is my brother. Hi, I'm, hi, I'm Paul. I clean, and I clean blimps. <laughs> I clean blimps. <laughs> That's one of the episodes we watched before. The spot Someone cleans blimps. And then it cuts to Chuck Woolery going, and I'm Chuck Woolery, and jackpots $12,000. Let's play Lingo. Although every, every now and then, Chuck would uh, talk about the contestants in his uh, sequence there, because there was one episode in that season. I don't know if it was that season, but it was that era. And uh, a guy brought on his ex-wife to be his teammate. And uh, Chuck, if, if, so it goes team one. Hi, I'm Joe. This is my ex-wife. And then she says, hi, I'm so-and-so. And then a cuss to Chuck. And he just says, did you say ex-wife? Today's jackpot is $30,000. That's play lingo. Like, like, it makes no sense. And the thing is, they always, like, try to have some sort of snappy quote to do that, too. I know, yes. Tried, and it's like, tried. it never makes sense. He's trying to do, like, the hand, like, a hand clack. And it's, like, a finger point. Like, we're going to play lingo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know. I'm Chuck, and I like paychecks. Let's play lingo. And... Uh, <laughs> The the appeal of this game is is it, it is obviously this was like the hallmark for Game Show Network because it's a cheap show 
And I don't mean cheap in the awful, boo, you have a giant ball on set and you use the Dutch set in the first season. (laughs) I mean cheap in the sense of, typically, the the top prize is $5,000. Exclude the progressive jackpot, exclude the cat, like, $5,000 on a cable channel. Which is like, was a standard in the 90s, but this was like mid-2000s when everyone's kind of moved on to $10,000 as the, like, bare minimum for a game show. And that's, and they also decided to, like, even if you fail, like, get like 500 bucks, maybe 400 bucks. Like, it's really cheap. I think if you failed, you got $100 for every word you got in the bonus round. Like, that was it. You don't get any money in the front game. Like, it's points. And it's so, and it's like, it's so confusing because it's like, it's 25 points and 50. You really could have just made a dollar sign to that. Like, you really could just spring like 225 bucks to give the losing contestants here, right? As opposed to what they actually got. Which is nothing. Oh, no, no, they probably got like Croton Watch. No, that was whammy. <laughs> the, lingo, <laughs> uh, the lingo t-shirt and hat. And a complimentary DVD of your episode. There is a link. There was, a, I believe, a lingo DVD game, wasn't there? Like, yeah, there was. Yeah, it's pretty rare to find. And they also did a board game of it too, which uh, I think there's. I don't know if it's still there, but I saw one copy of one on eBay, and yeah, of the board game. And like, it, it's so. And it's fun to talk about lingo in the sense of how it, it was. It was cheap to create, but they create hundreds of episodes. They re-aired it. It had a somewhat cult-like personality in the mid-2000s, especially among game show nerds, because of its easy play-along. You could easily play along with this game. Uh, and find, and the enjoyment of bad guesses. Board game. I'm, I'm looking it up on eBay right now. Oh, there is one, there's one copy of uh, the Lingo board game out there as, as of the time we recorded this podcast. So go, go pick it up. I'm not, but go pick it up. Oh, oh it's almost 30 bucks. I'm not doing that. So, <laughs> so actually, so, might. so Danny, Just, uh, why why do you, why do you love lingo? I love lingo. Well, because I have a crush on Chuck Woolley. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, let me uh, give you the blunt force truth about that, Danny. You know, uh, might just be yeah. me, but I don't take kindly to. See, I enjoyed lingo because it was easy to play along with because uh, it tested your it tested your brain with the words and stuff. And uh, I watched it as a little kid. I really didn't thought it was the sets looked cool to me as a kid. It is cool. No, it's it's really like for given the budget, like it's a actually a really cool set given for what they gave. Like it's fantastic. They they put little like things that you don't really think about, like in the tumbler uh like buckets that they give the contestants. Each of them get their own. All that's in there is the numbers that correspond with the lingo. (laughs) There's no like numbers you can't get there there's just that in the stoppers and the mystery wild card balls wasn't there like a prize ball in the in the in the bill engvall version i couldn't remember there was yeah yeah there was they added prize balls in there which i'm not even sure what kind of prizes they were knowing it was that was probably like uh you got a 200 dollars digital camera Oh, uh, this was 2011. <laughs> oh, 2011? then congratulations you won a fake ipod Okay, that sounds about right. But yeah, they, they I think they still kept the question mark balls. They just called it something different, I think. It was the star ball or something. It was, it was like, and I, I like this game show because it, it obvious. Here, here's the thing we need to, uh, I have to always address here. The best game shows 
uh, are ones that you can play over and over and over again and not get tired of seeing or playing. If you have a format like that, you have a winner. Lingo is one of those games. Yes, you can talk about the set dressing and Chuck Woolery. Yeah, you can talk about Shawnee, but the format itself, guess the five-letter words. There's only so many five-letter words. I'm pretty sure they have repeated themselves at least 50 times during the course of this. Of course. And uh, there were some, uh, there were like, if you, I look at one episode from season two where they accept the certain word, but then like in season five, three years later, a uh, contestant spells that same word and they don't accept it. <laughs> it's it, now we're not a saying it, it, it's it's a little messed up but come on <laughs> i i like lingo and i think because catch 21's making a comeback on gsn yeah. and it's like well okay that makes i mean that makes sense they made a lot of episodes it's small cash prize i could see them doing it better with lingo and i don't mean like go straight back into one hundred thousand dollar lingo <laughs> to go back to chuck I could check, yeah, give him something else to do besides that one force truth. and. Oh, no, I, I'm going to say definitely get someone else to host <laughs> after today. No. Yeah. Uh, Bring back Bill Engel, maybe. Get, like, uh, Craig Ferguson. Get, like, uh, someone who's already hosted a game show that is somewhat known at this point. Get uh, J.D. Roberto. Get uh, Pat Finn. Get Pat Finn, actually. Yeah. You don't really Pat need, Finn like, uh, someone like... <laughs> or just get, like, some... Like first run actor, you don't really Patrick Wayne. Patrick, yes, get Patrick Wayne. I'm sure Cindy Seidelman will love that. So oh, she's gonna love it. <laughs> you know, uh, probably one? for yeah, it's a lingo. Okay. One last thing we need to address here is the music package. the The theme song in the first season is very cartoony. It's like a do 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 do. And then like the background music spoke out like you're watching like a compact computer ad, like it's just this nice like cybernetic boop 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 like like almost like a chess game for Nintendo 64. Just very polyphonic. It was the theme song also it was the theme song of the Dutch version. I never knew that. And then when it went to like the later seasons, it became electric guitar. This is like I like seasons one to two better than the later ones. <laughs> that, you, the that's what you anyway. like. You like season. I mean, season like the later seasons gave it more like edge to it. But I, I mean, I might be with you on this. I think it needs to have the season one. I think it should have the season one theme song because it's more cartoon fun. But it needs to have that back in package of the later seasons for the. Okay, so like you like season one theme, but season five to six set. Yes, with the uh, all blue. Okay, I mean like except for that big lingo ball. I missed the big lingo ball. <laughs> the background of season one. The big lingo ball. Like that's it. That's all I got. Is this big fucking inflatable ball. Just this giant ball. It's silver. That's another thing. They, that was another thing they borrowed from the Netherlands as well. <laughs> They're gonna just get. Uh, <laughs> we need this for wipeout. Hang on, bye. Uh, but yes, uh, Lingo is de- one of the uh, top tier game shows uh, because of its play along ability and its easy to follow format of just try to play bingo with words. So, so usually around this part is when I would say, should the show be revived? If so, how do you do? You think it should? The moments. Um, I'm not really sure if they. 
if GSN tried it, I wouldn't be opposed to it. But at the moment, I'm fine with the season that we have like, to watch. Like you're just like, yeah, put it down. I don't. All right. I think it should be revived. And I already have the revival plans laid out. What are they? Okay. So, first of all, uh, I, I think you should definitely... I was originally thinking you'd just bring back the Bingo America Tumblr, that giant thing, and just play with that. Okay. And then realize, well, the appeal of the game is they each have their own separate tank. So you might as well go back with the original draw off the big ball rubber band aesthetic thing. The rubber ball aesthetic. What I would do is uh, make it so it's cash up front, twenty five fifty, and there's no double the value. Just it's always twenty five dollars, fifty dollars, and I would make That's it so for every lingo you get, not only do you get a bonus letter, you win a small prize. And this is like a you know, it, this is your typical GSN tier prize, you know the small the sm small drone, the small camera. Here's a gift card to to shop at wish.com something cheap uh so so there's some prizes up front so if you lose you get money you get prizes it's okay it goes to the bonus round where it's basically bonus lingo you keep calling your to get your bonus letters same as it was in the original game remember there's no double values so there's no fifty one hundred dollars it's just straight 25 50 that's it <laughs> Uh, if you want to catch up, too bad. <laughs> no catching up in this game. You just got to be good at lingo. Oh, uh, okay. Stoppers are still there. Wilds are still in there. And that's throughout the entirety of the game. Um, for bonus lingo, in the bonus round, two minutes to get as many words as you can. Once again, there's that one free chance. If you can get it, you get $25,000. Wow, that's a lot of money. Otherwise, so it's just $10,000. If you fail... You get a hundred bucks per every word you get. That's appropriate for 2019 values. Yeah, it's like twenty-five thousand is your ho holy cow first try moment. Ten thousand because that's the GSN default these days with things like idiot test, chain reaction, you name it. And the consolation is, well, you got like seven right. So so that way, in the event of oh well, you let's say you sucked, you, you unfortunately, you won with like say three hundred twenty-five bucks because the score is not going to change. It's like well. You got six right here plus three twenty-five. That's nine twenty-five. Plus you won this uh, Palm Springs vacation, and you won this digital camera. We thank you so much for playing Lingo with us today. I'm uh, JC Shazé. I'm Lingo. Thanks for playing Lingo. And that's it. That's like you need to get like someone who's just a backstage host. You can't get an A-lister. You can't get someone for the sake of host. You can't get John Michael Higgins about richard karn yeah get richard karn back in here just we can't double the points but he will definitely have to tell you like well you won yourself um well you got yourself ten thousand dollars congratulations wow what a happy team come on back next time come on back that'd be fun like a richard karn yeah i'll take richard karn but that that's what i would do with this is just so there's it's cheap because you know it's you're giving away maybe hundred bucks, two hundred dollars at most. Yeah. If you consider everyone tanks, uh, and you got your average five word, like five lingos and five prizes, you're dishing out maybe twelve hundred bucks, that's, and that's, that's not including pretty... the bonus prizes. So if you're you're still going for a relatively cheap show, but there's still the option at twenty five, still the option at ten thousand, and because it's pairs, it's easy to cast. 
And maybe you don't cast just, you know, your your siren contestants that we see later on, like, woo! The ones we saw tonight. <laughs> or an Engvall's version. They really wanted the woo Engvall contest. I really just want to hear, like, I just want really the, the, the season one type contestants again. Just, hi, I, I, I just... Uh, sure. I'm they a, were much more reserved and soft spoken. Yeah, I were. I'm a. I'm a waiter. Yeah, I'm a waiter. Oh, what, what kind of restaurant do you work at? Barbecue. Oh. <laughs> good. Good barbecue. Yeah. All right, let's play lingo. <laughs> and there was that one guy had said, uh, "Oh, my favorite." And, and one of my hobbies is singing karaoke. And Chuck goes, "Oh, what's your favorite song?" And he goes, "Oh, that would be Sweet Caroline by Neil Diamond." As if anyone cares who's it by, but <laughs> well, we need to know that he loves Neil Diamond. <laughs> uh, nothing wrong with Neil Diamond, you know. He but most loves people love Sweet Caroline. Bum bum bum. But I like I like this lingo, and I I say of all the shows, this is the one that's desperate for a reboot, but not in the Bill Engvall pe- penis Steve edition, and not in the. In a let's remember that Chuck Woolery hosted this version format. But so you wouldn't want to bring Chuck back? I would not want to bring Chuck back. He's now too. I say he's too toxic. I and, and not just because I disagree politically with him. Because like, holy cow, have you seen what he says? It is, <laughs> and it's not trying to be ageism. Because I think that's also partially why he became this conservative crank person. Is I bet he thought he was going to get lingo with Bill Engvall. Bill got the gig, not him. And, you know, you're a personality. You're a media guy. You need to be in the limelight somehow. You need to have some speak. And someone just gave him the microphone, and he just said some weird stuff. And that's his audience now. So I don't, I don't think he's necessary. If you're going to get, like, someone who is, like, a conservative person, like K- Kennedy is is someone you would grab. Kennedy is still a personable person. S.E. Coop is a personable person. But, you're, but, but going straight to... Here is wacky Chuck Woolery now. It's not working. <laughs> Don't do that. Maybe Louis Anderson, but he has an Emmy now. So Chuck's, uh, at the time we were recording this podcast, Chuck's 78 years old. Yes, and I bet he has some choice words about how Bernie Sanders is too old. Yeah. <laughs> that's hypocritical, but yeah. Oh, no, no, that's definitely, I'm pretty sure. Also, probably a lot of stuff about the LGBT community. <laughs> Which, much like Michael Reagan, now that I think about it. Oh, that's that makes sense. Um, but Lingo de- definitely has to have the appeal uh, of, of just, like, some rando person. It has to be just some dude. Because <laughs> it, it's a show where if you can assume the person is drunk, you can. It doesn't matter. Because they're filming, like, 50 episodes. It's that cheap of a show. Yeah, I found, I read an article about that uh, DVD game of Lingo that came out, and I think uh, like uh, one of them said like Chuck reads all the says all the stuff as if he's drunk. <laughs> he's just behind a green screen. Go reach the Lingo balls. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's the stopper. <laughs> Sorry, you lose your turn. Yeah, there's no prize balls either because the prize is the friggin' Lingo, and then you have your promotional that way. Congratulations, you won yourself uh, this massage chair. Anyway, go get your lingo. Anyway, let's give you another bingo card. And as that's going on, here's what's up for the next lingo. And then you get your announcer to go, it's a nice um, Palm Springs vacation. Stay at the resort for two nights. Oh, that's great. (laughs) 
Or it's the, uh, you you got yourself a telescope from Bushnell. <laughs> this telescope. Because at least then it's like, okay, you got something to play for in the in the lingos. So it's, there's some minor stakes in the main game. And I mean really minor stakes. We're not talking high rollers. We're not talking luxury prizes here. We are really that's trying. What you, that's what you'd add to it these days. Just, you gotta have some prize and you add money to it. And then, like, you have to up the budget somewhat in the bonus round of 25000 and then 10000 Okay. But other than that, like, it's just add prizes. Add prizes and make a dollar amount at the end. Because ultimately, if they tank, they're going to get 100 bucks probably. They got four words, ultimately. They got 100 bucks, Which is typically what the stipend is for appearing on the show anyway, so. <laughs> this is GSN. <laughs> We're not talking, like... A hundred thousand dollar pyramid here, where it's like maybe like five hundred bucks or a thousand. Uh, <laughs> it's GSN. They are all the people are from California at this point. Which, by the way, I think what they should do, and this is just me. I don't know about you. Speaking as on behalf of Chuck Woolery, I don't know about you. Um, but if it was me, I would try and go into like make the studio like in in like Atlanta or or Southern state that's within traveling distance so that way you at least get a more diverse group of contestants than just simply people from the los angeles area that would be good i i because because once feud moved like the contestants have definitely not really gotten better i'd say that i think it stayed the same but you you need you need to have it be silly fun and it's like well you you're getting someone from Georgia. You're getting someone from Missouri. You're getting someone from Louisiana, Texas, Oklahoma, Tennessee. You name it. You'll get that yeah. nice variety of contestants that barely get represented on game shows anyway, unless they fly out to New York or Los Angeles. By putting it there and cranking out 30 to 40 to 50 episodes a season and maybe paying out maybe eight times, because there was not a lot of lingo winners. <laughs> like, it's yeah. rare. Uh, and plus, you can always just, like, if you really want to just go back to classic square of, like, 12, just to make it tough. But, most, uh, the most words anyone got in the bonus round was 10. They got 1000 bucks. Got $1,000. No, because then the guy got the ball first try, too. Well, I like that idea, too. But I, I, I think the bonus lingo it definitely works, and it, there's a lot of play along there. I mean, there's been apps. There's been, like, fan games. Yeah, there's the lingo online game. The Lingo Online yeah. game, there is, uh, you can play for Oodles. Do you guys love, remember Oodles? I remember Oodles, and they still got it. And I think GSN probably still does have the game on their website, so go play it. Go play Lingo. Uh, Lingo is great, and great. I, I like my idea. I like my idea because I like me. I like my, I'm smart. Uh, but it's also, I think it is worthy of a revival. And it's a GSN original that is one of the, I would say, classic originals because that lasted more than two seasons, which is not to say what happened to a lot of them. When Tuition got ended, Whammy ended, Russian Millet ended, Cram ended. But Lingo lasted more than two seasons. Even Idiot Test, I think, went to season four? Yeah, Idiot Test did good. The Chase went to at least three seasons. Three seasons, but they were many. Like, it was like six, seven episodes per season. Which oh, made yeah. sense, because they were trying to make event television with that. They were trying to make that must-see, will anyone beat the beast? With Lingo, though, you can definitely strip that Monday through Friday, which is what GSN wants to do right now. So go for it. I feel like I've just been talking over you this entire time. 
Uh, not, not too much. Uh, hire Bill Langpole. <laughs> sure, get Bill Langpole back on there. I would say, like, if that's a good question, we should in like we could talk about your podcast still, and then we could talk about what would a Bill, what Bill Engvall show, what Bill Engvall game show would work for. Are you smarter than a sixth grader? Because like, he is technically smarter than Jeff Fox. A revival oh. of Family Challenge from that Family Channel a long time ago, that Michael Berger Ray Combs game show. Uh, oh, that, that's depressing. <laughs> yeah, that's a Bill Langvall game show. A uh, singing bee. Uh, singing bee. Uh, maybe. Uh, Nashville Southern Squares. Idol. Nashville Squares. Oh, yeah. Are they really making that now? Yeah, they are. Uh, it's CMT. Oh, CMT. Well, okay. I think uh, Larry the Cable Guy needs to be involved in that show. Either he should host it or be a guest. I I, I think they'll probably book him for that. Otherwise, uh, hey, Larry the Cable Guy, um, maybe you can host uh, the, the a version of, of Bullseye, but it's with Cornhole. The UK game show Bullseye, but it's with Cornhole, so you have to throw the beanbag chair to get a category. <laughs> It'll, yeah, be, they did it'll be picked up on GSN. I think, uh, yeah, Nashville Squares, they, I don't know how that will work, but they did Hip Hop Squares. They did that twice. They did. And, and did I, you ever see that? It's going to be that, but with country music celebrities, and I'm guessing maybe like. Uh, I, think next day, I think next day should come out with Polka Squares. Polka Squares. Weird Al Yankovic is in every square. <laughs> <laughs> Al, can you just like go up to the top left corner for us? Ah, sure. Oh, and Al was on the John Davidson version of Hollywood Square several times. I like Hollywood Squares. It's just a good show, too. I love game shows. I should have a podcast where I talk about game shows. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> you should have a podcast about game shows, too, now I think about it. Uh, thank you. That's a good idea. Uh, yours is on YouTube, right? Yeah. And you're here, not your partner, partner josh mcleod who uh if you listen to josh we love you sure sure and, uh, josh sure uh, i love you that's no, fine <laughs> it's a fun it's uh it's i wouldn't say it's a sister podcast to this but but it's basically if you ever want to know what the game show fandom definitely talks about listen to it because this is yeah. stuff like hypothetical situations uh what do game shows to people like the cultural aspect of the game show host hosting uh, Ludia game shows. You're talking about like in a future episode about. These- oh, well, at the moment, yeah, at the moment we have recorded an episode. It hasn't been released yet, but uh, we talked about game show video games. Like each me, my my co-host Josh, and another guy, we each covered a certain video game, and I covered three different Ludia video game shows. Big bucks, you win. I, I yeah, don't spoil it, but you know. Big bucks, you win. Go back to spaces, you win. I like, uh, I, I think they did good with the prices, right? The decades version. That was fun. Uh, so before we, we sign off, cause I know you have to probably hit the hay, go to sleep, uh, eat a snow cone. I don't know. Uh, we do it. We do a lightning round here where you win plugs. Okay. There's five questions for every question you get, right? You get one free plug. Uh, that's why the icon is that of me holding trivia questions. It's not just a cosmetic thing. It's also the format. Um, okay. For every question you get right, you get one free plug. Most game shows only give you two. We're giving you five, but you have sixty seconds to answer them all correctly. Okay. You're, you're, you're game for this? I'm ready. All right, let's put sixty seconds on the clock. A five-letter word starting with M. Honey. 
Was Naturally Stone actually good? Yes. Bingo America or National Bingo Night? National Bingo Night. Favorite episode of the Bill Engvall Show? All of them. How much Chuck would Woolery Chuck if Chuck Woolery could Chuck Wood? It's the right amount. You got it. Five for five. Right. <laughs> what are your five plugs today? Five plugs. Well, first, uh, Game Show Fan 2001, my YouTube channel. Uh, I guess, two, the Game Show Fans podcast itself. We put out more episodes than we have and probably does a better job, but hey. <laughs> All right, you got Plug. two. Three left. Uh, Walter Ostinek, Canada's Polka King, one of my favorite musicians. Uh, All right. <laughs> we'll definitely link to his uh, iTunes page, I guess, or Spotify. Do that. Yeah, he's on iTunes and Spotify and all that stuff. Then we got uh, on Roblox. It's like Trouble and Terrorist Town on Gmod, but a lot of Roblox. Yeah, that's the other thing I do besides FOTS game shows. That is and I guess the fifth plug, uh, I'm not sure I have anything else. <laughs> well, um, have a favorite show? Yeah, the new version of Catch-21 that's coming soon to Game Show okay. Network. Okay, <laughs> GSN's Catch-21. Uh, from from Catch-21, thank you so much for stopping by, Danny. No problem. Thanks for having me on. <laughs> Well, thanks again to Danny Lewis of the Game Show Fans Podcast with Josh and Danny. Uh, Hopefully we'll get Josh on in a bit because he has a show that he locked in and I think he is a real expert on. Also, I just want to give a quick side note. Congratulations to Danny again for graduating high school. Hope you have fun in college or wherever you're going to go. I don't know. So uh, here's some stuff that we kind of missed. So in the Bale Langvall version, it is $100 per correct five-letter word, and then you get a $100 bonus if you get a lingo. In round two, it's $200 per correct five-letter word and $200 a lingo. And in the third and final round, it is $500 and then $500 per lingo, which kind of is game-breaking if you consider the last two rounds are pretty much uh, meaningless if it's one, two, and then five. So here's how I decided to fix this. Why don't we have in the Dutch version the 567 rule for rounds 1, 2, and 3 with 25, 50, and 100 points instead. Small prizes are awarded for winning lingos. The appeal of the show was that it didn't need to have a big budget to make the show a success. It was a, the play-along factor. And I think Bill Engvall could easily host another version of lingo. You just have to get away with the double entendres. That's, that's all you need. So, so like, you know, round one is a five-letter words for 25 points. Uh, round two, it's six-letter words for 50 points. And then round three, it's seven-letter words for 100 points. Kind of, it doubles and doubles and doubles. So it makes every round mean something, and lingos are worth prizes. So no matter what happens, you have a guaranteed prize. And then in the final round, you continue with that progressive jackpot idea, which I kind of enjoyed, that Danny brought up in the, in the episode. So thanks again to Danny for stopping by. We had a lot of fun, and now it's time for a 110-part series exploring every pricing game on The Price is Right. This is The Pricing Game Spotlight. (laughs) 
Three Strikes. Premiere date, February 12th, 1976. Tape number 1804D. Premiere date, Drew Carey era, October 29th, 2007. Number 4061K. Air of order, December 13th, 2007. Played on center stage. Finale date with Barker, June 8th, 2007. 4025K. Three Strikes is the pricing game with a baseball-like setup played for a car. Gameplay. The contestant is shown eight baseballs, five white ones of which have a unique digit representing one of the five numbers in the price of the car. In three red ones, they each have a red X called a strike. The balls are placed into a rotating drum designed for blind draw access and then shuffled. The contestant blindly draws a ball from the bag. If they pick a number, they must decide in which position, spot, that digit belongs in, etc. So the third digit. If they're correct, the ball is discarded into a slot in the game board, and the digit is lit up in the price display. If they're correct, it's not a strike. The ball gets returned to the bag, and the contestant draws again. If the contestant draws a strike, however, a strike marker is lit on the board, and the ball is discarded into the slot. The contestant may continue to draw as many times as possible until he or she correctly positions each digit in the price and wins the car, or draws all three strikes and loses the game. Three Strikes made its debut February 12, 1976. From the game's inception until October 15, 2018, the numbers were presented with wooden discs while in white with the number painted on them in black while the strikes were red disc with black X's. They were placed in a bag to be mixed up. On October 15, 2018, the game got a new look, based on classic baseball scoreboards, as well as replacing the original discs with baseballs, and the bag with a rotating drum. In addition, the discard slot was made bigger to accommodate the change from using discs to, of course, baseballs. Through the early 1990s, the game was played with both four- and five-digit cars, except for the first few times it was done. When five-digit cars were offered, the game was known as Three Strikes Plus. Even though four-digit cars were no longer used in the game after June 17, 1993, 8874D, it retained the Three Strikes Plus name until February 10, 1994. 9074D, although the plus sign was absent on January 27th, 1994. 9054D. Uh, on November 14th, 1983, contestant Rosemarie lost a 6,485 Mazda truck by drawing three strikes and three draws less than a minute into the gameplay, making her the first contestant in the history of the game to play it that badly. On March 12, 1986, history was made when a contestant named Heather Nelson not only won the car, but drew every single number in the price in order without drawing a strike. She won a Chevrolet Corvette price at $30,789. There were at least three known occurrences where contestant lit up all the numbers without drawing a strike. June 2, 1999, January 21, 2002, and May 24, 2005. On the second occurrence, uh, blah, blah, blah. Uh, when the card only six draws, making only one snake and not drawing a strike even once. On the third, contestant Marilyn made a stake on her first three draws, but managed to get five consecutive draws, right, without missing a strike. This game is played for the most valuable prize in the history of the daytime version. The price is right. 
On April 24, 2013, aired out of order. As part of Big Money Week, a Ferrari 458 Spider worth $285,716. For the gameplay, all six windows hid the numbers of the price and a new dollar sign light was added to the outside of the first window. Unfortunately, not only did Therese Cook, the contestant play three strikes for Ferrari, not win, she didn't even get one number right either. The playing attracted a large amount of criticism and backlash from many Prices Right fans, many of whom said that it was too hard to guess the price with six digits and three strikes in the bag. Nearly all who have criticized this decision insisted that Golden Road would have been a much better game for the Ferrari, despite the fact there was a chance the contestant would not have made it to the end. We've already talked about Golden Road on this show. The six-digit three strikes was played again on November 18th, 2013, as part of Dream Car Week. Richard Thomas got four out of six right before drawing the three strikes. The car was $146,923. It was an Audi R8 Quattro. Unlike the first playing, this playing was more well-received by fans due to the fact that the price of the Audi R8 was easier to figure out than that of the Ferrari. But Richard still lost regardless. The six-digit three strikes was played a third time, May 15, 2017, on Dream Car Week again, with only two of the six digits lit up before prizes lost. Over time, props used in this game used to have additional references to baseball added to them. Three baseballs on the game prop were added on November 9, 1982. The current bag, which chips are drawn, made to look like a baseball on January 16, 1990. The baseball no graphic used when a contestant makes a wrong position used in 1998 to 2002 prior graphic consisting of the no inside a black circle used in 1986 to 1998 originally a buzzer was used the davidson version used a different graphic and showed a red light uh, of the selected number window melting off the board and falling to the floor from 2008 to 2000 uh from 2002 and 2008 the word no graphic was simply just a word no in large red letters the current graphic is simply the word no on a large red circle with a slash drawn to it similar to a no smoking sign also from the game's debut until october 7th 2002 the camera would zoom in on the selected rectangle when a contestant made a guess as to the position of the drawn digit in addition to the changes mentioned above, the three-strike sign went from green to gold by June 24th, 1980, uh, which is number 3742D. On April 11th, 1994, the dollar sign tacked onto the side of the board was replaced by a window with a dollar sign, initially using the price-down dollar sign before changing it to the same font used as the numbers soon after. An exception was the April 18th, 1994, which used the gold price-down dollar sign again since the show was taped out of order. In fall 1983, two of the game's digits were updated. Number two was the updated to have its lower left slant turn into a skinnier curve and its tail the upper right flat. The original two was being used on October 21st, and a new number was played November 9th. Well, it's known that the October 28th episode has three strikes plus playing for two in a card's place. It does not circulate. The number five also happened to have a flatter top with a pointed edge in the middle left side, a plumper curve. From, a plumper curve from the middle right to the bottom, and a pointed curve on the bottom. Someone's really caring about the fonts on the disc on the Three Strikes game here on the Price of Art Wiki. <laughs> the game was played four times on the primetime version of the show. Its first primetime playing was in May 17th, 2002, and it was won twice and was lost twice. The most expensive car ever won in this game was October 13th, 2016, a $63,415 Cadillac CT6. The car was won with a total of 16 draws, and it was the first time a five-digit price car in the $60,000 range was ever offered in the game. 
though there were cars with over $100,000 on two separate occasions. The game is currently in a two-year losing streak, with the most recent win happening on October 13th, 2016, number 7644K. Rule changes. When the game premiered in 1976, cars only had four digits in the price, and therefore a contestant was given four number chips and three strike chips. As the price of the cars increased past 10,000, no changes were made to the game to accommodate the extra fifth numeric chip until season 26. From the game's debut until 1998, season 26, three strike chips were placed in the bag at the start of the game. If the contestant drew a strike, a marker was lit on the board, and that strike chip was removed from the bag and deposited in the board's discard slot. However, in 98, to increase the game's win rate, which had decreased because of the extra fifth digit in using cars priced above 10000 the rules were changed to place only one strike chip in the bag. If the strike was drawn, it was returned into the bag. If the contestant lost, if he or she drew it three times. From 1993 to, th to 2008, the game was almost exclusively played for cars between 30000 and 60000 However, due to the game being increasingly taking longer to play than other pricing games, a rule change was implemented at the start of Season 37 on September 23, 2008, the second time the game was played that season. Three strike chips were used, and the first number was played for free. The number of strike chips placed into the bag was then reverted back to one after the single playing. However, the contestant was still given the first digit in the car's price at the start of the game. With this change, the game began offering cars with prices along the lines of those played in standard card games. Instead of using luxury cars, then it got taken out of the rotation on October 29, 2008. These drastic changes only lasted one season, when the game was first played on Season 38 on October 23, 2009. The game reverted to its pre-1998 rules, five number chips, three strike chips, no free numbers, and once again offered cards between 30,000 and 60,000. Nighttime Appearances Three strikes were played on five games, including the fifth and final nighttime one, played by Dennis James. The are four being Cliffhangers, Danger Price, Dice Game, and Hurdles. On episodes 157N, for both Cliffhangers and Danger Price, the two later appeared. On the new prices, right, the first digit of the price was given for free, and there were only four number chips in the bag. Other than the information graphics change outlined above, the game otherwise remained the same. Three strikes first appeared in the Primetime Barker Air episode, May 17, 2002, during the Prices Right Salute series of specials. Suspected cheater! On February 28, 1992, a contestant named Tony Quinones, uh, Quiones had two chips remaining in the bag, a strike in the last number. She partially drew a chip out of the bag, then quickly put it back before anyone else to see what it was. A few seconds later, Tony drew the number and won. Although show staff has never publicly accused the contestant of cheating, Three Strikes Plus was not played again for the remainder of the season. Tony won a Porsche worth 45789 and then won $11,000 on the wheel and a showcase total of $79,897. Click the video. No, I'm not. Uh, Tony was the only contestant who attempted to cheat as another contestant... Julia also attempted to cheat on October 7, 1988. As she began to pull third strike out of the bag, she put it back, thinking no one noticed. Bob Barker didn't notice and chided her for her actions. She pulled the third strike all the way out of the bag on a later draw and subsequently lost the game. For these reasons, by January 16, 1990, a new baseball-shaped bag that was harder to peek into was made for the game to prevent such cheating. Later in season 20, on March 23rd, 1992, the three strike chips were repainted white with a red X to closely resemble the numeric chips. 
but reverted back to the red chips with the black X at the start of season 21 until September 14th, 1992. During this time as well, Three Strikes Plus was pulled from the pricing and rotation until season 21, leaving only four-digit Three Strikes. Here's some trivia. <laughs> On the Price is Right Decades video game, when the game was loading a trivia fact, it appears that read that Three Strikes premiered on either February 11th or 12th of 1976. According to stats at PriceIsRightStrikes.com, it didn't premiere on February 11th, but February 12th. Thank you for that trivia fact, Wiki. Uh, Three Strikes is the one of very few number pricing games that a contestant can know the price of the car and still lose. In fact, even with a perfect play, the odds of winning under the five digits, Three Strikes in the bag, are only 3 and 8, or 37.5. This corresponds to the odds of drawing all five digits before all three strikes, or in simpler terms, the odds that one of the three strikes would be the last chip pulled out of the bag of 8 if the player continued to draw until the bag was empty. This pricing game cannot normally... Uh, not have any repeating numbers in the expensive automobile for this game, but on May 15th, 2017, uh, for Dream Car Week, this no repeating digit rule was actually broken for the first time, with two chips that read one on them. It was also the third time Price of Right history that the game was played for a six-digit car. The BMW i8 Protonic Red Edition worth 159081 Unfortunately, the only one of the two ones were placed correctly for a spot, and only two chips overall were placed correctly. The other correctly placed ship was the nine in the third spot. Well, thank you for that. Uh, starting from season 29 onward, the game was played less than 10 times. Three Strikes is the first pricing game to reference baseball. The other two are Squeeze Play and Triple Play. If Three Strikes is a million-dollar game on the price of a million-dollar spectacular, all you have to do is light up all the numbers without drawing a strike to win a million-dollar bonus. And then we're seeing all the graphic packages here, and I just want to just uh, say I, I love Three Strikes. I think there's a de- there's always a big decision on rider or not. You should uh, have 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 three strikes or not. Oh, hang on, there's international versions. <clears throat> Most international versions do not have a baseball motif. On the Mexican version, the game was played with three strikes in the bag throughout the entire run. In the UK, three strikes was played with a three-digit prize. On the Leslie Carter, one strike was placed in the bag. The British Sourcesite version had this game as well, played for a four-digit car, originally three strikes, with one strike in the bag. On the French version, it was called La Main dans la Sac, the hand in the bag. As baseball isn't part of French culture, it was played with four digits. A prize, sometimes a car with a child safety seat included, was played with three Xs. In games with a child seat was included, the player tried to light up the price of the seat and not the car itself. On the Portuguese version, called Trevesse, or three or three triple X. It was played for a four-digit prize. Three strikes were put in the bag. On the Dutch version, it was played for a four-digit prize, usually a trip. On the Chinese version, it was played for a four-digit prize. Okay, I like that. Uh, so the big debates are whether or not you should have three strikes or one strike. I I think uh, if you're doing the one strike and you put it back in the bag, sure. But the three strikes does make it uh, easier to accommodate for the producers in terms of you know paying out the car. So ultimately, there's always going to be a 50-50 chance, even if you knock out two red X's and you have four of the five digits in play. So I don't care that much about whether or not the strikes are there, as long as it makes the most dramatic game. The new look of the game, by the way, is brilliant. It reminds me of Fenway Park. It reminds me of the Green Monster. It is this beautiful baseball-looking thing. And I love it so much. It's one of the best-looking pricing games now. And I wish more of these pricing games had similar repainting because this one gives it its own outstanding thing. And plus, of these great prizes that could be won, that, that makes it very exciting too. 
the it's almost like a one in three chance, which is no different than like a big deal of the day anyway. So what difference does it make? I'm on board with Three Strikes. I love Three Strikes. It is one of the better card games to come out on The Price is Right. I love the new paint job with that nice uh, green look. I think if anything, they should have like some sort of like wrong answer noise be sounding like an organ, like a or a and then a horn honks the, the, the light or something. Or like a you're out noise, something that gives it more baseball. I think that's all that's missing for three strikes. It's just some last digit. Like as they're drawing the numbers, you hear a do 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 something. Because you got to have it somewhat feel like baseball. I feel three strikes definitely dealt with the three strikes motive and the fact that if you just grab three strikes, the game ends. It works. I like it because it's a luck based game as well. Because even if you can't really figure out the price of the car, if you have really good luck, you could also probably win it as well. But if luck's not on your side and you get three strikes, well, you're done for. And that's also a sign of the game. It's a more of a luck-based game show than it is a, a know the price. But if you know your prices, you can probably win it a lot better. Next time on the Pricing Game Spotlight, because this is one of my favorite games. I love three strikes. I, I just... I will keep this going for as long as possible because three strikes is just so much fun. I just love the big baseball. I love the 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 sound of the baseballs. I love the fact it's baseballs now and not wooden discs, by the way, because now it feels like baseball. Uh, I I can't wait to see what else they can do because that's genius. That see that's a genius uh, touch up. I want to see what else they can do. Next time on the Pricing Game Spotlight, we are taking a look at hurdles. Okay, so it's uh, time for a review. Yeah, okay, so I watch a lot of game shows, and I just watched Netflix's Flinch. It ran for 10 episodes. I watched all 10, regrettably. So if you didn't know what Flinch is, you probably just saw the teaser, and you're like, well, this is sadistic. This is a fucked-up game show. And yes, you're right. This is a fucked-up game show. So here, let me explain... The format of Flinch, <clears throat> there are eight contestants and they enter a Irish farm and then there are three hosts, Sean Walsh, Lloyd Griffith, and Desiree Birch. These are the three that are basically the hosts of the show, but they're not only the hosts, they're also the contestants as well. Basically, all eight of the regular civilian contestants have to play three rounds of Flinch Various games that are basically torture tests. If they flinch, they get a punishment. If they get hurt and they flinch while getting hurt, they get hurt even more. And that's the giggles and fun. The way it's a game show is because uh, each of these contestants, each of the eight, as they go through the three games of flinch, if they flinch, they get a point, one point. And whoever has the least amount of points among the eight is the flinch champion. They don't get a prize. There's nothing. There's not like a, like five, it's not even like 500 quid. It's not even like a rubber chicken because they really love the, the chicken motif. Not even like a wooden spoon. Meanwhile, the game within the game revolves around the hosts as each of the three hosts randomly draw spoons. On the spoons is one of the eight players and those players represent the hosts in the game. And whatever the points, the flinch points of the civilian contestants get in each round, they 
go to the contestant. They go to the host, actually, the host. And then they draw again on the next game and get three other contestants. And then we rinse repeat until three rounds of play, where whoever has the most points of the three hosts must uh, get punished by doing one of the flinch challenges themselves, which is laugh out loud hilarious uh, until you watch later episodes and you realize it's just the same flinch challenges they were played on earlier episodes. They're, they're not even that... It's... Okay, so that's the game, basically. It's eight contestants. If they flinch, they get a point. The least points wins. The hosts get to pick one of the three based on spoons. Whoever gets the most points of those three gets to be punished. So there's a carrot and stick policy, I don't know. I it's that that's the format, and it's we're it's supposed to be Irish, so it's a lot of Irish uh contestants. And then some UK guys, and it's that's that's it. But the, here, here's where I... First of all, it's a fucked up game show because it really is torture. Uh, one of the games, it's it's basically... I don't know what the definition of a flinch is. Because if they get a flinch, they get a point. But they don't define what a flinch is. Is it startle? Because one of these is just simply like... They have like steam horns playing in the background. Or they have like, you know, like cymbals crashing out of nowhere. And if they flinch because they're startled by it... Then they get punished and they get electrocuted. Or another one is there's a toy train, and on the toy train there is foul-smelling food like like Limburger cheese or or raw meat. And then they smell it, and if they gag and go, they get cattle prodded. That's the game. It, most of the games involve electrocution. There's one where it's basically classic physics momentum of tires, and if they take a step back, they go into an electrocuted wall but they fear that the washing machine might hit them. There's one where they just basically waterboarded over and over again. There's a fucked up game where they're like handcuffed to a wooden like wall and then saws pop out out of nowhere and like a chainsaw in the back. So it's like a noise and then they freak out and they scream. And if they scream, which is considered a flinch, they get hit by a, a tennis ball launcher and the joke is supposed to be, ha-ha, they're startled, and now they're hurt again. And the, look, I understand the appeal is they'll keep doing it until it's funny. That was what they said in the production stuff. A lot of this wasn't really funny, though. It kind of came across as mean. It's it's fear factor contest because it's like, oh, here's rats on the face. And then if they flinch, they get hit by mousetraps. Ha-ha-ha, that's the joke. It's... There's no prize money in foot. There's no real trophy to award them. So there's no real need to root for the contestants. There's no root to root against these contestants. And there's no need to care for the hosts. It's supposed to be a Batsu game show where it's the hosts reacting to contestants and then them trying to do it themselves. I think that's what Flint was supposed to be, a Batsu game. But the torture is just that. It's torture. And not just to the person, but you at home for watching it. Because the first couple of times, yeah, it's kind of funny. But they really do continue doing that for like six, seven minutes per game. That I feel that maybe it would have been better if it was just maybe four contestants instead of eight. So one is always the one left standing that's safe. 
and then you offer like a small trophy, like a rubber, like rubber chicken or something. Because other than that, there's no real excitement. A lot of the games are repetitive. It's jack in the box, but if you flinch, you get hit with a pie. Oh, it's uh, balloons, and if you get startled, raw vegetables hit you. Uh, now here's a, a marching band, and if you move your arms outside of the circle, you get electrocuted. And now here's a game where there's foul smells, and you get cattle prodded again. And now here's one where you're sitting in a wheelbarrow, and uh, goats are eating you. That's the game. They're they're trying to be clever. They're trying to be silly. But it doesn't come across as funny in Irish terms. It doesn't even come across as fun. Because if I wanted to see like a funny like Irish game, I would say Almost Impossible Game Show did it more. Uh, but then again, I'm also a big fan of the Rubber Bandits on that. And they're Irish hosts. But with that show, it is they fail a challenge and then they have to do it again. Then they fail a challenge, they have to do it again. They fail a challenge, they have to do it again. And they eventually get frustrated. And if they decide to quit the challenge, they lose points. And if they lose all their lives, the game's over. That's almost a possible game show. Flinch, even if they do not flinch, they have to continue playing the game. So there is no criteria of when the game should stop, or when the game is a success, or what happens. So it, to me, this game is not formatted enough. I think flinch is I thought Flinch was going to be like the uh, late, late show game that, that James Corden does where it's they're standing behind like a paint glass wall and then a uh, paintball hits the glass and then they flinch and they go, ah, and then it's super slow-mo and it's funny. But on this show, no, there's paintball guns and they hit the contestants and then they flinch and then they get electrocuted. Then they get hit by paintball guns and then they flinch again and they get hurt. And it is torture. And as far as a format's concerned... I guess it's somewhat a format because of the points per flinch and the host trying to pick their pony in terms of not flinching. But other than that, there's not a lot of stakes in the game. You can't root for anybody. And there's no prize to be awarded. And the, there's not a lot of cleverness of the flinch challenges. And when you see these challenges, you kind of go, it's fucked up because they're electrocuted or they're waterboarded. Uh, the, or they get hit with wax because they, they slipped a little bit and now a hot wax hits them. That At no point does this game come across as aspirational, which is I feel is the most important part of a game show. If you want to watch a game show, you want to aspire to be a contestant on that game show. You watch because you want to root for a contestant or you want to be the contestant or you want to see a fun game be played or there's some nice storytelling if it's a reality competition show. There is none of that in Flinch. Wipeout does better with character creations than Flinch. So this does not do well in any of the regards of what makes a show good unless you just want to watch pure torture. Fear Factor does better with its games. If you want startlement, Look at Release the Hounds. Look at Elevator. Anything with a jump scare in it in game shows does a better job than Flinch. This is just pure fucked up game showness that, honestly, you could just pass. You know what you're seeing when you see Flinch. You're going to see someone get, like, mildly startled and then get hit with, with, like, a taser. And that's it. That's the game. Rinse, repeat. Well, John McGinn announces, Oh, they got six flinches for six points. They were in third place. It's like, who cares? 
Who cares? At no point do I care about this. This the only positive takeaway I can say for Flinch is the pyrotechnics. The theming of the set being an Irish farm, it looks like an Irish farm. It plays out like an Irish farm. The way it looks, looks very rudimentary. And I think that's where it goes for. So it's like wild animals, wire, uh, a cattle prod instead of a taser, a car battery to illustrate the electrocution. like that, that Things like that that make it seem like anybody can play the game. But at no point do you feel like, oh, this is hilarious. And at no point do you feel this is like jackass. You just watch this and then you feel sad. You don't even feel like you're you're laughing. This, this just feels horrible. This feels like a sad state of, of television, especially Netflix. Because you're Netflix and you want the, the creme de la creme of television. The creme de la creme of slapstick comedy. You could just try and do It's a Knockout. You could just try and do Wipeout. You could just try and do some sort of Batsu game show that's based off other variety game shows in Japan. Uh, or you can just do an Irish game show where people go, oh, this smells bad, and then get hurt. And then they get hurt. And then they get hurt. It's kind of like Wipeout, but instead of falling in water, they get they get shocked. And that's the joke. And it just doesn't fare well with me. This is probably, without question, the worst game show I have seen in quite a while. I do like the set design. I think there's some cleverness with the challenges. But this does absolutely nothing for me. There is no positive takeaway for this. There's nothing that makes you go, ah, this was hilarious. I want to tune in next week. Because if you do... You're just going to get more of the same. And then when you get around to 7, 8, 9, 10 of the season, they just repeat the games. So there is nothing for Flinch. I give it on my scale an F. An F for Flinch. It fails. It is the worst game show I have seen in the last 10 years. I actually debatable with Pontoon Payday. It's almost borderline like Pontoon Play. At least they get money on that show. This does nothing. This is nothing for me. So this is just awful. This is an awful game show. And those who are going, this is the sad state of television. Yes. Those saying, is this that uh, game? I got the shit kicked out of me show on Sorry to Bother You. Yeah, it's kind of like that. But at least they got to plug their own shit when they got their ass kicked on Sorry to Bother You. This They don't get to plug anything. They just kind of go, hi, I'm a bank teller. Zap. That's it. So, seriously, do not watch Flinch. It gives a pass. I do not recommend it, but... Hey, nice set. I guess they're trying to be funny with the hosts. But I I think this is uh, the worst Ireland has to offer. And they have a lot better shows to provide. So... That's going to do it for us tonight here on uh, Game Shows, I suppose. Join us next week for another great game show. You can check me out at Twitter at JordHa. Uh, email me, JordanHaas at gmail.com. And, hey, I heard you have to do some ratings and comments and tell your friends about us and five-star reviews to all your favorite uh, podcast networks. So rate us and comment 
and do all the other things to try and get this show some traction because I heard that's what's necessary. Uh, so next week, another great game show. Until then, it's not just letters. It's lingo and big smooch. Mwah!